Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yes, yes. Welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. We're on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Timothy Michael McKernan and Gangster Pete in these HomeLoanExpert.com studios. And we are recording on August 25th, 2020. Gangster Pete, what is the good word? <laughs> I, I'm all good, man. You're all good. All good. Well, you'll be, here, you'll be thrilled to hear that Deebs has written in an erotic story. I know oh, you're no. a Deebs guy. I've been requesting erotic stories. I actually haven't written it. I just know it says in my email, QFTA-erotic story. <laughs> and so we have that to look forward to. In addition to so many questions and email that I haven't gotten to that I didn't even post on the fan page asking for questions. I wanted to make sure I got to them, and none of them are more than a week old anyway. So uh, they're all new, and I didn't want to get overloaded in that I answer them because a lot of them were good. We, uh, we welcome you to email in questions, opinions, comments, Erotic stories, as is the case with Deebs this week. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. That is how you can uh, participate and send in whatever for the uh, program. We are sponsored by Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert, online at TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Uh, you get pre-approved right now, and that is a powerful tool to have if you are looking to buy a home or refinance. And Ryan is closing loans in the twos, in the twos, I refinanced in April and I got an incredible rate. Now he's in the twos. Capitalize on this. It makes such a difference in your payment. Go to the homeloanexpert.com. Plus, he's just a really good guy who runs an incredibly tight ship. Ryan Kelly, the homeloanexpert.com. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800 or Go online at carltoninsurance.net. That is where you will find James Carlton. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, then call James Carlton. Pause. State Farm. Uh, he's my insurance agent. So uh, when I talk about James Carlton, it's very easy to do because I'm speaking from first-person experiences. But right now, James can save you money or get you money back. James Carlton has exciting news to share for the St. Louis area. State Farm has filed a rate decrease with the state of Missouri, and James is confident that State Farm will have the best pricing that he's seen in 12 years and perhaps in their history. I mean, there's never been a better time for our listeners to take a look if they're not currently with State Farm. And the good news isn't just for those looking to change their coverage. Current customers will be seeing big reductions in their renewals as well. It's James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, uh, and that's in Webster Groves, Carlton Insurance Dot net. All right, I'm going to start with Deeb's erratic story. I'm reading it for the very first time. I fingered a fat girl on a friend's patio after he and I finished golf a few weeks ago. She was in a bikini top and not hot. 
Chicago gal in town with some of her friends. Everyone was liquored up, Avi. My pal was hitting on her hot friend, but that was a long play for me, so I opted for the seemingly instant gratification girl. She and I embraced in the standard standing makeout position, <laughs> and I tried to finger her from behind whilst making out with her. She kind of had a broad back, and she was tall, <laughs> so it was tough for my arms slash hands to wrap all the way around her, and also then down her ass into her region. She informed me once or twice, that's not it, meaning I had found the wrong hole. Also, she stole my TMA shirt after it was over. It was not a very hot sitch, but look at it from my perspective. I was horny. Thanks. That's from Deebs. See, that's what I'm looking for on this podcast. Erotic stories. I mean, that was hot. That was a hot story. <laughs> What's up, Deebs? <laughs> I mean, what a wonderful, wonderful story. Are you aware of any of this? this, is this yeah. I'm you, aware, you have heard about this? I'm story? aware of the situation, yeah. Really? Do you know Do you know the parties? Uh, yeah, I know everybody that was involved. Mm. Well, I mean, the girls we didn't really know, but I, I'm aware of the situation. Wow. And so the, you can verify this? Yeah, I can verify that. Wow. That, that happened. Wow, that's, wow, wow. Boy, I'm a Deebs guy. That's good. Maybe Deebs needs to come in here. Yeah, yeah I think you'd like that. Uh, I am a Deebs guy. Uh, Deebs, thank you for one of our <laughs> few erotic stories ever sent in. Please keep them coming, both to our audience and, of course, uh, Deebs. Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Hey, Tim. Do you think it would have been better for the quote-unquote St. Louis Rams franchise to have lost Super Bowl 34 and have won Super Bowl 36? My thoughts are things began to spiral down after losing 36. Maybe the building toward winning 36 may have prolonged the success here and made it harder for Stan to pull the team. Thoughts? Thanks. That's from Jason Posey, the former board operator at KFNS. Never have I thought about that question, although I see Mike Martz fling that rope up in the air as he walks across the Superdome field to meet Bill Belichick. And that is the beginning of the end right there. That is the, I mean, I guess theoretically when the ball went through the uprights, but that I believe is the beginning of the end. Now, some say Stan Kroenke was going to buy it. He's going to move it either way. But I believe that was the beginning of the end because the team began to spiral then as uh, Jason makes reference to. Oftentimes it's forgotten how good they were in, in 2003. So Steve Smith leaving Jason Seahorn's jockstrap at the 45. That was right in front of my corner. Really? Yeah. I saw it happen. I was like, oh, time to go home. Wow. I mean, that was a team that was expected to really make a run. They didn't. Yep. They lost home field advantage the, the week before, or the week of week 17, the final week of the regular season, losing to a terrible Detroit Lions team. Um, and I think Philadelphia had home field advantage. So the Rams would have had to travel there um, for the NFC Championship, although the Panthers went there and they won. And then they wound up losing to the Patriots. Uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that because I don't think they then go into this collapse. What happened in 2002? I mean, I'm going through Rams history 18 years ago. But the 2002 Rams, what in the world? I think they started off either 0-5 or 0-6, and there were Super Bowl expectations. I was at the first game against Denver, in Denver, and they scored like 10 or 17 points or something like that. It was just, and then they just kept losing and losing to bad teams, and then they beat the eventual... AFC champion Oakland Raiders uh, with Jerry Rice, if I'm not mistaken. And that was the first win. And that was Mark Bolger. And then that began, you know, the Kurt Warner Bolger saga. Um, but that was that, that, that thing was bizarre. They wound up finishing seven and nine, but they started off. Um, like I said, Oh, and five, Oh, and six. I'm just looking it up just out of curiosity. Uh, they gangster Pete were Oh, and five before defeating, I think the Oakland Raiders who were undefeated at that time. And then they wound up going to five and five 
So they turned it around, and then I was at the game in Washington where they lost, and I think Warner hurt himself in that game, and they lost 20-17 to 17 to a, a Redskins team that I don't think was particularly good, and they lost three in a row. And that was pretty much uh, that was pretty much the end of it. They finished seven and nine. So, um, gangster Pete, do you think that, that changes the trajectory of the franchise? I don't know. I w- I would have been happier if they just won them both. And I would never give away that '99 experience. That's no. right up there with last year's Blues run. Yeah, it was, that so, was so good. Cool. It was so good. I I don't I don't I mean the honest answer, of course, is I don't know, and it's a hundred percent hypothetical. But um, I think it I think it improves the percentages. Let me put it that way. Uh, hey, let me tell our audience about Jim Rogers Restoration One. I hate this because this week is the week of the St. Gabriel's Golf Tournament. You know anybody playing in that thing, Gangster Pete, with all of your uh, Southside compadres? Is he really? Yep. Uh, he played. <laughs> we had a bachelor party for my buddy where we put together is that where a golf deep tournament. struck lightning? <laughs> no. Last weekend he played. He was supposed to play two days, but after playing one round, he's like, I think just one round's enough for me. That's when he shuts it down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's this Friday, but I think the remnants of the tropical storm slash hurricanes are going to be making their way through Farmington where the tournament is. And uh, that means we're going to have some storms uh, in the St. Louis area. And this is just what I keep saying about Restoration 1 and Jim Rogers, Restoration 1 of Central St. Louis. Save the number, save the name, so if you do have damage to your home from storms, you immediately can call somebody to take care of it. That is so important. Restoration 1 of Central St. Louis believes in keeping the content fresh recharging their batteries, and leaving the audience wanting more. Here's a recent review written by Jeremiah. Jeremiah writes, I was told I should want my boss's seat, and if I didn't, there was a problem with that. So when that day came and I entered what is now my new office, I discovered the floor was covered in water. I called the office to let uh, to my left, but Monique was too busy with her social media emojis to answer my questions. I called the office to my right, but Frank didn't pick up. There was only one thing left to do, and that was call the water damage experts at Restoration One of Central St. Louis. Is he making a reference to Frank Frangi and Monique Medina? Is that <laughs> what I'm catching here from, from Jim Rogers Could of be. Restoration One of Central? That's what I think. They responded quickly to assess the situation. It turned out a broken ice maker lying down the hall had been leaking and running under the walls of several offices. It was no problem for Restoration One. Jim and his team put a stop to it and fixed the damage it caused. Thank you, Restoration One of Central St. Louis. Thank you for the delicious service. That comes from Jeremiah. That's Restoration One of Central St. Louis, 314-888-5266 or Restoration One, the number one, Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. Restoration, the number one of CentralStLouis.com. We continue in the email inbox. Tim and Smoke. What I want to get your thoughts on the whole burner accounts thing. I am on, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this gangster Pete. You might unleash. I am on Facebook and Instagram, but not sure the last time I actually posted something on either platform. I have a hard time figuring out why in the hell anyone would want to spend their time setting up a fake account in order to comment on someone's post or a news article just to stir shit up and get whatever opinion they have out to the world. I honestly can't picture any scenario where I would want to spend the time or energy to dive into that cesspool of negativity. There is no way that that is healthy. Do you think it's people just needing attention and overall addiction to social media or both? Appreciate it. That comes from Dave. Gangster Pete. Burners. Thoughts? I think think Dave said it pretty well. I pretty much agree with him. Uh, I saw recently Kevin Durant said that he, he has his burners back up and running. Oh, nice. But that's that's because he can't go on things as himself, I guess, and he feels the need to post all the time. 
I don't get it either. I mean, oh, he posts under his burners. Under burners. Oh, really? yeah. Huh. He, like, in the past, he got I know caught. He got, I know he got caught doing it. Yeah. But no. So he was recently on the A Rod Court podcast talking about how he's re upped his burners. Is that right? Um, yeah. I mean, with regard to our experience um, with the fan page, where uh, I, I would imagine this question comes from, but maybe it doesn't. Um, I don't, I, 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 I would be curious. I, you know, I asked last week, Gangster Pete, and we do have one email, although it wasn't a firsthand account. I asked for, from the audience, I'm giving out homework assignments on the podcast. I asked for listeners um, who are not only planning on voting for President Trump in November, but are, who are huge fans of his to write in to explain it. And I didn't get one minus one that I will read, but this is not from the person. This is from, I think, the person's parents or his in-laws. Um, either way, I recall reading it, and I know we're going to read it here before uh, before too long. So my homework assignment here this week is, if you have a burner, why? Um, and, I'm, and I guess it's more when I'm talking about posting. I, I, I think with the TMA fan page, it happens because people get blocked, and so then they get another account just to get on. And then oftentimes that, 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 uh, that psychological makeup, they want to just lurk and they don't want to post because they know if they post, they will expose the fact that they are is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Compromised emotionally, uh, that they just can't handle not spewing anger. Um, and so then, and then they get blocked again. So they have to come up with another burner as far as burners on like social media. Maybe it's to follow like stag starlets. Uh, I would understand that. I just, I just bla- You can look at my followers on, or the people I'm following on Twitter. And I think about a quarter of them are porn stars, but I mean, I think it's kind of what people would expect from me. Um, but if you are considered upstanding, which is not an issue for me, but if you are considered upstanding, then that might be. Uh, some way for you to follow stag starlets, I think. Um, and then I guess posting under a burner. I don't, I don't know. I mean, we had Mitt, the Mitt Romney allegation with Pierre Delecto, Kevin Durant, any other famous burner incidents that, the Oh, I'm sure there's you? been a bunch. Oh, I'm sure there are too. Burner account to post is a bitch move. Well, that, and that's why, you know, you read, like I can, you see a story on stltoday.com and you already know what's going to happen. Feel God, that's such a hateful area. Well, what is, what is the constant? burners and anonymous accounts and comment sections because people are, as you would say, they're hiding a bitch move. It means nothing coming from an anonymous source. That means nothing to me. So it's like I could, I could tweet, but then you'll just have burners trolling. And it's like, why would I bring that into my life? I have zero interest in, in that we're not, we're not playing on the same field. I, you know who I am and you're so cowardly that you are going to engage under a, a burner account, oftentimes with a first name and a bunch of numbers uh, or a dog avatar. Uh, and your bio will include the American flag somehow. So I, I, that's, that's why I really don't tweet uh, at all. So, um, and, and I don't really miss it, honestly. You don't really tweet at all, do you, Gangster? No, I, I might retweet stuff that I think is interesting, yeah. but that's about it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to, to sum it up, I would say it's, it's, it's rooted in cowardice. I mean, I don't know what else I don't, I don't, but I, but if somebody has a few or one, 
perhaps they can explain it. So from the homework assignment, if you have an answer to it, Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Uh, this is sent last Wednesday following posting uh, questions from the audience. Great podcast today. I mow my lawn on the days a new one comes out so I can listen to it uninterrupted. Regarding the Kamala Harris uh, vice presidential selection, as a hashtag never Trumper, I'll take it, but I wasn't exactly wowed by the choice. I do think at least part of the decision came from the view that she's going to absolutely destroy uh, Mike Pence in the vice presidential debates. That comes from... The Viceroy. Is that how you say it, Gangster Pete? Viceroy? Yeah, Viceroy. Uh, Matt Schutte. Um Yeah, you know, I think about vice presidential debates, and I don't really know how much they actually impact the election. I, I don't know. I don't think they do much. I, I, that's the thing. So I don't really, I don't know. I, I guess this one's different because right. for, for the first time, I think ever, in my life anyway, I don't think anybody thinks Joe Biden would run in 2024. No. You know what I mean? Right. So therefore, Kamala Harris has greater importance than your standard vice presidential selection. Um, so, and I do notice, as I think I said on last week's podcast, that um, so much is Biden-Harris. Um, I don't think you heard Obama-Biden in 2008 or Trump-Pence in 2016 as much as you are hearing Biden-Harris in 2020. And I think that is not a coincidence. I agree completely. Yeah, and I and it, it, with regard to you know, the observation, first off, thank you for being a fan of the uh, the podcast. Number one, and then and then secondly, yeah, I'm just I don't know what to say outside of I'm I'm not real thrilled about it either, um, and I'm just in a place of being disenfranchised. I've been just, I've been avoid, avoiding all of it lately yeah. just because it bums me out. The Kimberly Guilfoyle speech, however, <laughs> if 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 we could have played it without it turning into what it probably would have turned into <laughs> on TMA, it. you were you were thinking about it. Yeah. We're on the same page, but I know what would have happened. But it was so incredible, and if you haven't watched it, I would like to recommend it. It is phenomenal. It is. I mean, this is this. It, it's actually it's it's almost kind of getting to like a Tarantino movie. Of just, just like, it's 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 super bizarre that it's like caricatures, but it stays just within the realm of I guess this is possible, and it's just incredible. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. Uh, so, major recommendation on the Kimberly Guilfoyle speech uh, from Monday night at the Republican National Convention. Hey Tim, so I used to follow Clay Travis in 2012 when Mizzou joined the SEC. I unfortunately got to witness his spiral into a right-wing dog whistler, which somehow isn't obvious to a lot of his following. I know you've interviewed him, and his responses in that interview seem to be more about, quote, go buy my book that has Donald Trump dumping, dunking on a cap on the cover, end quote, than actual in-depth thoughts. I can probably infer your thoughts on him based on everything you've stated on your podcast and in some fan page comments. However... My question for you is what would be the theoretical line for you to cross over to hot take for profit? I'm a huge believer in your don't fuck with happiness mantra. Is there any dollar amount that you would hypothetically take to sell your soul to being a hated fraud? If you want to use this as a QFTA question, feel free to rephrase it to best fit the discussion. I'd also love to hear any more behind the scenes crap with Clay, but I don't want to give that turd any more pub than he already gets. 
Also, gang, also at Gangster Pete is a fucking all-star D-Smet. So is that Rockio, despite his CBC upbringing. Stay cute. That is from Todd. What's up, Todd? Uh, I, you know, with regard to the Clay Travis interview, I don't, I don't, I, my recollection of it, and it was in October of 2017, so almost three years ago, my recollection of it is not uh, yours, Todd, in that uh, his answers were, you know, go buy my book at all. Actually, the tough thing about that interview was he didn't have a whole lot of time. He was in town for a paid appearance. And I think if we would have had 90 minutes, I think we could have gotten into more. I think he has um, changed even more since then. I also think the questions I asked him, if you want to go back and listen to it, it's still up on InsideSTL.com, which were not about, like, for the most part, about his takes on things, but really about the criticism of him. And again, this is 2017. So this is, you know, this is really a long time ago relative to, you know, his prominence. Um, He's certainly more prominent now than he was then, although he was getting called on it in 2017. And I was asking him about it. And if if memory serves, um, not only was he saying that it was was a bunch of hate from a bunch of ex-deadspin people who were jealous of his income um, or wealth, but also um, we talked later that night. Um, you know, it was an event up here at Kirkwood Brewhouse, actually. And he stopped me and he said, hey, that was an incredible interview. You asked some really good questions. And I think, and I, and I, and it, you know, I mean, we, we don't know each other. I mean, we've communicated over email in the past, certainly not recently. But um, I think, I don't know. I, my opinion is the questions struck a nerve. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think it was like some, I, I don't, I actually don't think it was, I think as far as like build up for interviews, uh, and then actual delivery on the build up, I think it is a, uh, a, there is a, there is a gap between the expectation of that interview and what people got. I think the same is probably the case with the Dave Peacock interview, which is not an indictment of either one of them. Also, if it was an indictment of me, I would say it. I don't think it was on me. I think with Clay, we had the timing situation I talked about. So we only had a, a half hour, which usually is enough for an interview, by the way. Um, and then with Peacock, he's, you know, and still is in the midst of the litigation. So, you know, even if he could say things, he could always use that. But I think he was in a spot where he was instructed not to say things for the purpose of litigation. But I think those questions with Clay, um, you know, he kept saying how intelligent the interview was and he appreciated the questions and he liked the direction that I took it. As far as my opinion on, you know, what Clay has become, honestly, I, I don't follow him on Twitter. I don't listen to him. I know he is on before us, I think, four or five, four out of five days of the week, I believe. Is that right, Pete? I get an hour of uh, Clay every morning. Okay. Um, you know, so if you're operating on the premise, as it seems you are, Todd, that it is an act, um, I, for me, it's just not, it's just, it's personally not what I would do, but I'm not coming at this from a, a moral high ground. It's just not what I would do. I don't think I'm capable of it, actually. Um, I break character, so to speak, when I'm reading emails, whereas the cat and Doug can like deliver lines in complete deadpan, not that they're playing characters, but that they, they have the ability to stay in character. I can't, um, I think, you know, 
the, the core of the interview that I had with Clay was an article in which he is quoted by his wife saying the election of Donald Trump is great for us and not talking about their economic status, but because he recognized what was about to happen and that he could capitalize on it. And Todd, you say, um, I unfortunately got to witness his spiral into a right-wing dog whistler, which somehow isn't obvious to a lot of his following. Uh, I think that, you know, the second part of it stands out to me because um, I'm kind of confused as to how people don't recognize it. But at the same time, I, I watch, you know, the Donald Trump stuff and I just go, which is why I asked people last week, because I want underst- to understand it. Like if you are a big fan why? Or is it just a case, which I would understand, or are you just a big fan of the policies and you're really pro-life and you in, in conservative and you want the Supreme Court justices to be conservative? If that's the case, that's cool. But what I'm asking for, there are people, I think the question last week was about a fl- people having flags of, of him and a picture of him and, and, and his name everywhere right. and how they, this person hadn't seen that. Uh, anything like it, you could make a reference to the Obama posters in 2008, but that certainly didn't go on with Hillary Clinton in 2016. It's not going on with Biden in 2020. It didn't go on with Romney in 2012. Uh, it didn't go on with Kerry in 2004 or Bush either year or Gore uh, or Clinton or Bob Dole, you know, Michael Dukakis, take your pick. I mean, it just, it, this is a phenomenon. And so my question is not one, like I'm going to make fun of you. I want to understand it. First person, ideally, uh, and the next email I'm about to read is, is, is a kind of a third person account, but, um, with clay, he recognizes it's there. I, what do you think the demographic of the clay Travis fan is? Uh, probably like 30, 40, that range. Yeah. I think it's just an echo chamber. So if you're into like Fox news, you hear what you want to hear. You go to clay, you hear what you want to hear. So it's those people gravitate towards it. All right. And, and. And so I, I mean, I, it's, it's so easy. And I, and I think the other thing is, and I think this is strategically beautiful. It, it's, and I'm not saying that they did it intentionally, although I would kind of tip my cap from a strategic thing. I wouldn't do it. But and again, part of me not doing it is I'm not necessarily capable of performing, so to speak, if they are performing it, it I would, I would say it's S.E. Cup, uh, S.E. Cup saying she's a conservative, but then spending all of her time attacking Donald Trump and Clay Travis pointing out that he is not a Republican and that he worked for a democratic Senator, if I'm not mistaken, when he was in Washington, uh, but then like making fun of Democrats. And so it gives it some perceived credibility. Well, he's not a hardcore Republican, but look what he has to say. Well, she's not a hardcore liberal. She's conservative. Look what she has to say. I think, I think that's part of the game because for the most part right now, I can give you a story like we did last week, actually. And I said, okay, and right now, as a matter of fact, why don't we play that game again? Where I will go to CNN.com and I will guess what the headline is and I will go to FoxNews.com and I will guess what the headline is. Okay, what do you think we have? The C- I mean, both of them have to do with the Republican National Convention. That's easy. What will, uh, I will say CNN say that the first night of the Republican National Convention is revisionist history on Donald Trump's first term and handling of the coronavirus. That will be my guess It'll there. Be a picture of Guilfoyle. That would, I don't know if she's recognizable enough, although I didn't watch the whole thing. I just saw the attention it was getting on social media and then I went and watched it. And it was awesome. Uh, it reminds me of hanging out with some people in the late 1990s in Columbia at Quinton's. Um, and then uh, on the Fox News site. Uh, 
great success. GOP <laughs> sends message to the country that what will the message be? That because uh, I can't say the politics of fear because that's their game. Uh, uh I don't know because it's got it's got to be the, it's got to it's got to present strength. GOP repudiates Biden Harris ticket on night one. That's where I'm going. All right, I am now going to CNN. Let's see because I played this game. I, I think I graded out at an A plus last week. Let's see what we got. I'm going to CNN. Troubling COVID nineteen signs <laughs> in America's heartland. Disappointing. Disappointing. Just disappointing. Huh. You'd barely know the convention's going on. Huh. Uh, then, then in a smaller little subset article, Melania Trump aims RNC speech at erasing memories of 2016. Um, huh. Okay, I was off on that one. Maybe I'll be off on the Fox News one. Let's go to Fox News. No place for that. Quotes. Uh, top Republicans hit back. See, there it is. It's always strength. You see that? This is, again, people go, why are you so? Because I, I know the playbook. And it's annoying because it's a playbook. It's not real. Top Republicans hit back at Pelosi for hypercharged language calling GOP enemies of the state. So there it is. It's always representing strength. If the Democrats are talking, it's representing darkness and fear. Um, and by the way, I don't know how much how much news coverage do you watch or listen to, Gangster Pete, honestly? Because I, I could see you being like damn near zero. I don't watch much at all. Okay. I, I read stuff. That's about it. it. One of the things that's really interesting to me is I observe the dichotomy of conservative news versus liberal news is if you follow, like the tell right now that you are a Fox News, even OAN, Breitbart, is you are really concerned, like really concerned, scared even, of what's going on in Portland. <laughs> and I'm not saying it to make fun of it. No, I just thought of people that are like that right off the top of my head. Okay. And it's, it's, and, and I'm sure there's some people who, who would fall into that category who are listening right now and going, well, why are you making fun of it? It's a huge deal. It's not really talked about anywhere else outside of conservative news. Um, and there is a, the new thing is look at all the Democratic mayors in the big cities and how they've run the big cities into the ground. Okay, show me the Democratic mayors in rural America. I mean, you're going to have Democratic mayors in cities and you're going to have Republican mayors, deputies, whatever the case might be, in rural America for the most part. It's hot to, it's hot to trash the state of California right now. Too. Yeah, that's, that's, that's in vogue. So... It's that's that's become like a, that's become a thing. But this thing about, you know, I'm really worried about the, you know, what's going on in Portland. I'm going what with like Damien being down three one to LeBron. Oh, what, Dame. Uh, you know, I mean, what what? And it's just like holy shit. And I had a conversation this weekend. Didn't even expect it to go this way. Can't go into too much detail because I don't want to give away where the conversation was and with whom it was. But, um, like somebody getting ready to like make a substantial move for fear that Biden is going to get elected and you're going to have all hell break loose with riots and anarchy and then taxes just skyrocketing. And, and I'm just kind of like, wow, I mean, it's, it's, it works, it works, it works. 
it works. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But that's the game. And so I don't really know, you know, like, like Trump tweeting out uh, that the Democrats removed under God from the Pledge of Allegiance. And then you pull up the videos and it's like, well, there it is. It's just not true. And I asked him and I said, I'm just, I'm just, cur- I'm again, I'm curious. Does, does the fact that he, like, like, here's one, like sometimes it's like, well, you know, it's too tough to find out that it's, it's not true, you know, or you could make a case that it's kind of true. But then you go, okay, well, here's the video. And they clearly said under God, and then he's saying evangelicals, evangelicals, you know, you have to vote for me. And I'm going, does that, does that bother you? Or does it, does it not? I mean, I don't know. Or is it just like, I, yeah, I know it's a, it is what it is, but I like the policies. And I, cause I don't know, cause I'm telling you something for me personally, if Joe Biden were just standing up there and just making shit up, I'd be like, this is, I mean, I, I listen, I don't think it's a good situation either way. I'm not like, Oh God, I'm so glad I get this choice on, you know, it's like, uh, um, or if Barack Obama, who I was a fan of, was just making shit up, I'd be, I mean, I would never look at the person the same. And I don't know, I'm just, for the life of me, I just don't get how that's not important. I don't know. I mean, I'm, and again, that's why I'm asking because I truly am asking and I don't understand how that's justifiable, but I, I, but I don't really understand a lot of this at this particular moment. Um, thanks for Pete. Any thoughts? He makes up so much stuff that it's hard to keep up with. <laughs> as soon as you catch up with the old stuff, there's new stuff. And it's like, we're yeah. moved on to this now. We've moved on to the new thing. I, 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 so I'm asking, so the homework assignment last week was the homework assignment this week was, uh, burner accounts. Why do you have them? Uh, again, I'm asking for preferably first person. Last week it was, if you would fall into the category of not just being a fan of Donald Trump's policies, but a real fan of him as president, what is it? What, what, why? Because uh, I want to understand. I wasn't going to be like, okay, let me make fun of you. Because I, I, I truly want to understand. I think a lot of people do believe him, too, and they think the other side's just trying to tear him down. Yeah, I think, I think you're right there. I do think you're right there. Um. You know, so I guess I, so I tried to, you know, cause I, the, I had this, this thought as I was walking through Walgreens like a couple weeks ago and I saw somebody not wearing a mask and I didn't like, Oh, what the hell are you doing? I just, whatever, you know, it, that's exactly what I thought, whatever. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, why, how and why, although, you know what I have to say, I was running into a store and I just forgot my mask and I'm like, Oh fuck, you know? So it wasn't like I'm taking a stand for my Liberty. I just was running in and I felt terribly and I apologized and got out of there as quickly as I could. Uh, and I get, I'm trying to take it back to like, let's take it back to 2010 and the rise of the tea party. And if a bunch of people in the tea party were saying something that was at the disservice of president Obama, and I, as a believer in president Obama, as a person felt like they were just making something up to tear him down, would I go along with it? I guess the answer for me would be, I'm always going to go along with doctors and scientists because I feel like this is done for what is pretty obvious manipulative purposes. Um, 
So it's it's you're you're presenting a hypothetical that would seemingly be impossible, but if there were something along those lines where you are going along with it, even though you don't necessarily believe in it or you think it's exaggerated and you thought it was coming from a nefarious place, i.e. people who just did not like Barack Obama for whatever reason, uh, and then they were exaggerating this situation in 2010, how would I feel about it? Because I'm trying to, I'm trying to, because I think that's what, I think that's when you see people about masks, I think that's what's going on. I also think, though, in fairness, if you're living in a city versus living in a rural part of the country, your experience with COVID is a hell of a lot different. Um, and then also if you are in a rural part of the country, you are most likely, not always, but most likely going to fall into the category of being a Republican. Um, and so then you have those two elements going. So I don't know, but I mean, if you're like in St. Louis and you're not wearing one and I'm, I'm not like in a, in a shaming mode, I'm just uh, the, the thought, the thought process on it. So I don't know. I, that, that, when I saw that, it made me think, okay, I wonder what the reasoning is. But then I had like a week later, I ran into a store and I had forgotten it. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe she just forgot it and wasn't even thinking about it. And so this person sent in an email, Gangster Pete, with the homework assignment. And albeit not a first person, but laid it in pretty, pretty good here. And I think this is going to be relatable for you. Tim, I wanted to respond to your MAGA homework question with some observations from my personal life. Because this email is of a personal nature, please don't use my name if you choose to read any of this. Quick background. I'm early 40s, married, white, Catholic, professional father. My wife fits a similar profile, and we live in West County. I am a St. Louis transplant while she grew up here, only to go away for college and grad school. We both grew up in Republican households, and until 2016, I think we both could count the number of times we voted for a Democratic candidate on one hand. Uh, ring the bell, because I've always enjoyed your reads on political candidates. We had the exact same reads on Greitens and Trump in 2016, as you did, and refused to support them. There's no way we would vote for Donald Trump in 2020. And quite honestly, there's no way I'd vote for any of his enablers, active or passive, at the state or national level. I was compelled to write you because our interactions with my in-laws have grown strained as they refuse to acknowledge any flaws with the president. I was not surprised they voted for him in 2016, and I guess I've learned enough to know they wouldn't be moved to change their votes this year. They're not red hat MAGA types, but they are email forwarding, Facebook posting supporters. Now retired, they fit a typical West County stereotype. College, grad school, educated, professional, and housewife, occasional churchgoers, always voted straight ticket Republican. Over the last few years, we've watched them move further and further to the right along with Trump. During the 2016 primaries, we actually tried to engage them, even pleading that it was for the sake of their grandchildren, I think you meant 2018 primaries, maybe 2016, for their grandchildren that they shouldn't vote for him. Uh, no, it was 2016. They wanted nothing of it. Four years later, I'd say they're even bigger supporters. Now, what do I think drives this? Number one, their investment portfolio. They're firm believers that Republicans are good for the market and Democrats are bad. At the end of the day, their balances matter more than just about anything. Number two, gun control. They're NRA members and honestly believed that there was risk that Obama was going to come for their guns. My father-in-law in particular has no time for any policy discussion on restrictions on gun sales, magazines, calibers, whatever. There is a surprising lack of engagement on how to approach policy, policy decisions to try to avoid school shootings. Number three, a fear and hatred of the, quote, other that Trump has fanned the flames of for years. For a long time, I hesitated to call it what it really is, closet racism and bigotry. 
To my recollection, they haven't used derogatory terms to describe people of color, but they are closed-minded and even hostile to the idea that there are people who not only feel, but actually are oppressed. They think Colin Kaepernick is an unpatriotic whiner, that black people who die at the hands of the police should just stay out of trouble and be obedient, that gay people are disordered. Every last stereotype you could imagine. Not unlike the president, in my opinion, there is a lack of empathy for anyone beyond their inner circle. My mother-in-law turned off a TV while my brother-in-law and I were watching a Battlehawks game because, quote, those guys are criminals. Now, she could maybe dislike the quality of play or the fact that we were not being social at a family gathering, but that wasn't it. And she was surprised to learn the XFL barred actual criminals. What I took her to be saying, though, was that they were the stereotypical black men she's heard uh, Trump bashing during the NFL's kneeling fiasco. Another time, there was a comment about a couple they'd met at a social gathering they described as that type of couple, you know, homosexual. It's quick, it's in passing, and I honestly have come to believe their support of Trump is rooted in his willingness to normalize their feelings that have failed to evolve and grow in the last 20 to 30 years. For many others, I know through our parish, the number one driving force for their support of Trump is the abortion issue. Not unlike what you've said about your mom. That doesn't apply for my in-laws or even most of my friends who are Trump supporters, if not full-blown MAGA, who are probably more driven by the three things I've listed above. Anyway, sorry for the long response. While I'm here, I wanted to share a column with you, um, and it's titled The Lesser of Two Evils. So you just sent that over. Uh, Thank you for your thoughtfulness in discussing these complicated and divisive subjects. It's truly appreciated by this lost soul who absolutely loves following politics, even if it disgusts me to the core. That comes from Chad. Um, So uh, there you are. Gangster Pete, your reaction before I go into my. Well, I mean, you brought up a lot of points. I mean, I think that there's aspects of those things for all the Trump supporters. Like they might not necessarily represent all of those, but a few of those. Sure. I mean. I think it's a lot more complicated than just, I don't think you can narrow it down to just like, this is why. Right. Um, I think the investment portfolio one is a huge one for a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. So I, so I, so let's play that handout just for the sake of playing it out. I get that. Um, I think a lot of people feel that way. Uh, whether it's right or wrong, it is a feel. And, um, and so my response to that would be, um, you could say that about take your pick of, you know, Reagan, George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, but you didn't have the intense support of being pro-Reagan, pro-Bush, pro-W, that you have now for Trump. Um, I mean, I know we're a little young for the Reagan, George H.W. Bush years, but, you know, and then, and W certainly wasn't like a crazy popular president, but uh, that, so that's so that I think the feeling was there then, but you didn't have what you have now as far as the the mania uh, where, you know, the campaign rallies are, you know, almost like a church revival. Um, and then with regard to uh, gun control, uh, that's that would also be the case for a number of Republican politicians, if not the the, you know, the almost all of Republican politicians. But, uh, you know, you don't have the passionate hands in the air, whatever you say, president Trump. I think the other thing, I think there is something to that as is in a fear of the other, creating the other, creating the enemy. Um, 
these people are against me. They're trying to tear me down, but you're with me and this fight isn't fair. And that rallies people that always rallies people, whether you're a politician or a, an entertainer or a musician or something along those lines, you know, the old people, the old guard is against us. We're the new generation. We shouldn't be at Vietnam. That was essentially the battle cry of Woodstock. So, you know, you can take that and apply that. Um, so I think that one, I think of the three actually leads to the most passion for him. I think a major factor is where these people are getting their news from now. No, I, I think that's that's the factor for all of it. I yeah. think it's not limited I think to Trump. I think that's it's also the biggest thing, in liberal. My you know exactly where they're they're getting these ideas, yeah. and they just pound it in their heads all day, every day. And I just don't know. I mean, I, I think some people. I've, you know, I think I, I think I ended last week's podcast on that really depressing tone of you know winter is coming, which yeah. is it's going to get cold. We are not going to be able to go outside. Um, you're going to have the election. It's not like, I don't, I don't even know if anybody really thinks like this thing, this pandemic situation is going to be remedied by November. Uh, I think, but I don't know if people are thinking it. And I don't know if, I don't know if it's like a death thing where you just don't think about it because you don't want to acknowledge it. Or if it's just, I'm just trying to get through the day and my kids are, you know, on zoom going to class and I don't even want to think about it or I can't think about it cause I'm just trying to get through the, the day. I don't know. But, um, you know, from my standpoint, I don't know if the right word is scary, although I guess I could call it that. I think it would be more um, just this This is reality. And it isn't It isn't rooted in, wow, if Donald Trump wins uh, or if, oh, my goodness, if Joe Biden wins, it's just this is what I think is going to happen. And I think all hell is going to break loose. Um, I just, I mean, and then if Biden does win, the period of time in between election night and the inauguration. Holy shit. I mean, you know, and then on the other hand, there are those who want to see Trump reelected who are of the opinion that all hell breaks loose even worse. If Trump is reelected, I think all hell, all hell's breaking loose either way. And I think to have the, the pandemic running parallel along with social unrest. I mean, this is just, listen, I hope, and I will be more than happy to say I was wrong. More than happy. This this will be my bigger wrong than saying the Battle Hawks were not going to be successful. That'd be a good thing to be wrong about. Oh my though. goodness, it'd be I'd be the happiest person. But I'm so like I just don't know how it's avoidable. I guess the only way I think that it's avoidable is if Trump wins in a landslide. I think that's the only way. Now you might go. Well, that's terrible. He's in office for another four years. But as far as absolute chaos goes, I think that's the only... Now, you might go, well, that's the worst long-term ever. And I'm sure some people are thinking that. Whereas other people are saying, well, I understand what you're saying. I'm talking about for the, that period of time, November through the end of January. Um, I think that's the only way. Because there is a theory that with the mail-in vote that Trump could be ahead on election night, but then wind up losing with the mail-in vote. And then if you have that, then at that point, you know, God help us all. I mean, that's, that's when, that's when I think you can, then I think that now I think now we're, we're at the, at the highest level of all hell breaking loose. And then if somehow after an investigation, Trump winds up being ahead, you know, and you have a similar Florida kind of 2000 deal. I don't know. And and all while, by the way, the nation is battling the pandemic and flu season and social unrest. And we're, for the most part, unless you're in the South, you know, freezing our asses off. I mean, that is, 
I don't know. I don't know. I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong, Gangster Pete. I, I hope you wrong. are. Yeah. Doesn't look good. I'm just looking at it that way. Good morning, Tim. Uh, I'm a big fan of QFTA and have noticed that a big theme has been the fears around the November election because both sides seem convinced their candidate will win. My friends and I, mostly center-left liberals in our late 20s, early 30s, and early 30s, are convinced Trump is going to win re-election even though none of us want him to win. I'm curious where you developed the notion that both sides are convinced that their candidate will win because my friends and I are just confident Joe Biden will are just not confident Joe Biden will win at all. Thanks for doing these QFDAs. I enjoy them significantly. Thanks. That's from Patrick. Gangster Pete, who do you think wins? I think Trump will win. I think Trump will win as well. Now, Joe Biden is currently a favorite on Bovada. And as I keep pointing out, Hillary Clinton was like some absurd favorite on the election night. So that is not rooted in science. Uh, I think there are a number of people who, when called about these things, do not want to say they are voting for Donald Trump. I think that is a real thing because you, in some corners, are labeled a racist, misogynist, uh, idiot. Take your pick if you do. So people, so I think you have to factor in uh, what I don't think was factored in in 2016. I think you learned from it in 2020. Um, now, I do, I do not think it was going to be a slam dunk. Of course, it wasn't a slam dunk. In, in popular vote, he lost by 3 million votes. That's substantial. But electoral college wise, um, I don't know if I think it's going to be closer or not. I just I think people are either voting for Donald Trump or against Donald Trump. I don't think there are a lot of people voting for Joe Biden. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I see a lot of the same among my friends with emailers said where the Trump supporters really think they're going to win. But the Biden ones aren't aren't that sure, really. Uh, and, I, and so I think but I think amongst your friends, they wouldn't be considered hardcore progressives. Correct. Uh, maybe uh, maybe one or two. If I'm reading this group correctly, no, I'd say we're pretty split down the middle. There's there's some knockdown dragout fights. Really, be interesting to see. Um, I'm talking about your your group text with your compadres. Uh, not necessarily knockdown dragout fights. So I think hardcore progressives thinks it thinks it's done. There's no way he could possibly Donald Trump could possibly win. So that's who I'm talking to. So this gentleman, Patrick, said we are mostly center left liberals in our late 20s and early 30s. That's where I put the majority of my my friends. Okay, so. That's, and, I, and you would also probably put the majority of your friends in the non-MAGA category also. Yeah, except but some, for maybe a couple. So, oh, <laughs> oh, really? They really like, really like think he's great? Yeah. Can they write in and explain why? I mean, like, I, do they think I, he's great or think his policies are great? They believe whatever they, they believe whatever they're told. What do you mean? They listen to Fox News and Rush Limbaugh and that's what they believe. Really? And, and these guys are like with. in their 30s? Yeah. Oh. Uh, and are they... they, they like, what's their level of education? Uh, college, college graduates, successful business people. All right. Um, so with, with regard to this, I'm not talking about the center left or even the center right. I'm talking about the wings of the respective electorate. And I think the wings of MAGA and progressives, hardcore liberals, they think their person is going to win or more in the case of the liberals, they cannot see a scenario in which Donald Trump is reelected. I think I've told the story before, the unofficial title of this podcast, but I recall a like documentary on Air America, which was an attempt to answer Fox News and conservative radio. It was liberal talk in the early 2000s. And I remember seeing, and I think it was Mark Maron, actually, who was her co-host, Janine Garofalo, the actress who got caught up in it. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know if you've seen this documentary, where they're seeing the election results on the night of the election of 2004. And the look on Janine Garofalo's <laughs> face is one of utter shock. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I I can picture it. They they couldn't possibly believe it. 
you know, and 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 that's what I'm saying. But the difference this time, and it's not like George W. Bush was a popular president. The difference this time is that there is a hatred amongst a healthy percentage of the population toward this president. And don't get me wrong, George W. Bush experienced that after uh, the Iraqi invasion in, in March 2003, but it's nothing like this. And so for people to wake up with the reality that either he is going to have another four years or that he is out, and again, my belief would be he will not say it was a great run, Let's rally behind Joe Biden. I mean, I'm sure people are, is that they hear me say that are like laughing to themselves like, yeah, as you say that there's no way in the world that's going to happen, that therefore you are going to have people believe it's fixed. He wasn't the legitimate president, uh, similar to what Donald Trump experienced, similar to what George W. Bush experienced. Um, if you want to go as far as the birtherism, Barack Obama experienced. It's just, it's going to exist. Now, it doesn't necessarily exist amongst the majority, but in this case, I think it's going to be the largest percentage of a minority that we have seen. And therefore, I think all hell would break loose. But if you said, Tim, you got about $1,000 on who wins the Electoral College, I am betting on Donald Trump. Uh, I'm not saying I'm going to be excited about it. Honestly, I don't think I'm going to be excited about it no matter what, because I'm just going to be like, if Joe Biden wins, I'll be like, oh boy, what do we got coming now? And, and by the way, not necessarily because of Biden per se, but because of what is going to happen. Um, but at the same time, if Donald Trump wins, then it's like, okay, we have another four years of Donald Trump, but what's the reaction going to be on that? And, that, and that's the thing people are going to, I don't know how to describe it I, to, to use a sports metaphor perhaps, but it's so, it's so poor because the intensity surrounding the blues this year was lacking because you're playing in a bubble, but you know, I, like an Alabama football fan, like just thinking it, they're like destined to, uh, the, the 2013, uh, Auburn return field goal for a touchdown that led to Auburn play. Missouri was on the other day. Gangster. Right. Pete. If you, if you ever, if you watched that since, I don't know why you would, but I've, I'm sure I've you've seen, seen the, play, the highlight yeah. of the, the kick, but the actual fourth quarter, no, the fact that Alabama lost that game is a miracle. I mean, I'm watching it. I'm going, how in that? Cause Alabama, Auburn's down with seven with like a minute 10 left and they should have been down by way more. I mean, it's just, I mean, there were so many things that were just wrong about the, the outcome of that game as far as like officiating wise and things that happened and who knows, I don't know, not to say Missouri would have beaten Alabama, but, but the point being, if you are an Alabama fan and you lose to what's been their worst, like Ole Miss, they lost Ole Miss a few years ago. Yeah. And you just go, what in the hell this, that it wasn't even on your mind that that was possible. That's what I would equate hardcore progressives to Donald Trump's reelection or hardcore Trump supporters to Joe Biden's election. That is that is my attempt at a sports analogy. Like it's not even possible. You are a 40 point favorite in their minds, whether it be a Biden supporter or really anti-Trump or a Trump supporter. And so that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the because here gangster Pete and I are two people who will not be voting for Donald Trump, although Pete's never said that. I'm pretty comfortable. Yeah, I, read. Not, I won't be voting for Trump. <laughs> there it is. Uh, who are going, yeah, I think, I think he's going to win. Um, I, I, I'm not as certain about it as I was six months ago. I'll say that. But um, if, if you said you got about $1,000, I would say, yeah, I'll bet on Donald Trump. And that's, that's, where my, that's where my action would be. And if you think he's going to win, he's actually an underdog right now. So... Uh, get in where you fit in, fools. 
Uh, and then uh, let's see, before I go into the final question here on questions from the audience, I want to recommend Seth Goldcamp and Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. Seth just installed a brand new train air conditioning system in our home. And man, is it something else. Wow. It is good. And right now you can get 0% financing for 48 months from Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. Any issues you have with your uh, heating and cooling system, designairservice.com. It's a, an incredible business with phenomenal customer service, but also their number one train dealer in the Midwest. And they have this new train system in my home and it works magic. It is, I mean, it is an absolute machine. Uh, Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. It's hard to stop a train. And also the great Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Uh, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, just such a good guy. If you are looking for a new financial advisor or if you just don't have one, I would really like to recommend him. 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. I, I think so many people just ignore the importance of having a financial advisor even before a time like now, but even more so now to have an idea of what you need to be doing just from a planning standpoint. And then somebody you can call with a question or email with a question or text with a question. Oh, I am. I'm just saying I, I it's my biggest regret. And I wish I had Mark in my life 20 years ago. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503 or go online at Evergreen S tl.com evergreen wealth strategies mark hanna evergreen wealth strategies all right final question hey tim love the podcast and wanted to pose a question that my friends and family have been discussing with COVID happening and more people opting to work remotely permanently how do you think this will affect where people want to live i have friends especially in the bigger cities who seem to be enjoying the idea of getting out of their denser population areas if they don't have to be there if you could work 100% remotely, would you stay in St. Louis? Thanks. That's from Michael L. Uh, I think I would stay in St. Louis for half the year. That is the answer to my question. And I would live in Jupiter, Florida for the other half of the year. That is what I would do. Uh, as far as your experience with your friends, that is certainly going on, what you are talking about. I think it's a hell of an opportunity for St. Louis. That's one that Montevani really wanted to hit hard. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That uh, this, this moment in time that certainly nobody was expecting eight months ago is an opportunity to seize that young professional population that leaves oftentimes to a place like Chicago, uh, other times like a Dallas, Denver, you know, Nashville, take your pick, um, New York, where it's the cost of living is ridiculously expensive, but that's where they have to work. But if it really got down to it, especially as they, they get married and have a family, they would rather be in St. Louis. And, and now you can. Um, I think the, I, I think the world has forever changed with regard to commercial real estate. And I'll just put a period on that. And I get some pushback on that when I say that. I'm not saying commercial real estate is dead. I'm just saying it has forever changed. Uh, and um, I think it actually it gives St. Louis an edge in a major way, by the way. And so, yeah, Pete, you citing what Mark Bonavani said regarding that moment, this moment. I agree. Um, and I think you will see some people moving back. Or I've seen some people who lived in a huge city, so bigger than St. Louis, who have just kind of relocated, and they are working remotely, but from kind of just a calm, quiet area. Not even like a city the size of St. Louis, but I'm talking about just like kind of out in the middle of nowhere, so to speak. 
And I used to, you know, this is coming from somebody who lived on Washington Avenue for three years, grew up in the city, although, as I always say, I didn't grow up downtown, but did grow up in the city. My family still lives there and lived in Kirkwood and just never, ever, ever considered living like, I guess, west. I suppose if you're in St. Louis, that's where it would be, uh, like, quote, far west, that, um, you know, it, sound, it just sounds so appealing. And I don't even know what I was doing out, like, in the St. Albans area. I have no idea why I was there. I really don't. I'm just kind of thinking it through, but whatever. I was there. And, and oh, I think we went to, like, this train thing for Jameson or, like, a, a, a horseback riding thing for one of my nieces. And it was out there. And as we were driving along, I said to Anna Marie, Scott, this kind of looks good to me. And I never, I mean, even five years ago, it just wouldn't have been where, I, and I really don't have an answer as to why, um, you know, I, it's just, that's, that's kind of where I am. And so some of my friends who do live in big cities, who've kind of just moved away for the, at least the time being, uh, to just remote locations again for the time being. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I, I think there's going to be so much in history books that, 2020 produced in addition to the chaos that the mother of invention is necessity as they say and uh and i think that that is really in play so um you know with that said uh it sounds appealing to me and i do think you'll have a number of people move back to uh to st louis all right we have actually answered all of the questions that i have received in the last week so i'm going to delete them to make sure that i have noted that i have uh, and we started with Debs and his erotic story. It was wonderful. More erotic stories, please. Tima Kernan at InsideSTL.com. And I still have a bunch that I still haven't answered, but those were the most recent ones. My goodness, I have a bunch. Uh, but send them in. Tima Kernan at InsideSTL.com. Thank you to the Home Loan Expert, Ryan Kelly, online at TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Thank you to Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at EvergreenSTL.com. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Jim Rogers of Restoration One of Central St. Louis, online at Restoration, the number one of CentralStLouis.com, Restoration1 of CentralStLouis.com, and James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Uh, very grateful for their support, Design Air Heating and Cooling, Seth Goldcamp. They make this thing possible. We're very grateful for it. Uh, it is uh, the Tim McKernan Show. On the Inside STL Podcast Network, for Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. Thanks for listening. Send your emails in, tmckernan at InsideSTL.com. This has been another edition of Questions from the Audience on the Tim McKernan Show. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.